This is Nursing Australia, proudly brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Nursing Australia. I'm Matt St. Ledger. Now, as COVID continues to keep Australia's largest city locked down and the rest of the population pondering what's around the corner, perhaps some of you have been thinking, hmm, maybe I need to consider a new career or perhaps a specialty change in nursing if you're already here with us in nursing. Or now more than ever, you're keen to get up to speed on preventing the spread by discovering the latest in infection control. Well, you're in luck. Recess is over, school's in session, so it's back to the classroom and time to discover the world of school nursing. I mean, I think education for children and students should be about life education. So what, what you know, sexual health and sunscreen and eating well and moving your body each day and all of those things. Also on this episode, we're going to hear the latest APNA Conference Roadshow update. So what we're going to do is push back the September event because what you told us was that there's too much going on in vaccine rollout and everything else in primary healthcare at the moment, but you still want to come. And finally, let's dabble in infection prevention and control as we discover an exciting Victoria-led initiative. So the Victorian Infection Prevention Helpline is a free service that's supporting primary health care, predominantly including in that uh, general practices, community pharmacies and Aboriginal community controlled health organisations. And if you are listening on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button and on Spotify, click to follow. But first, let's hear the latest in healthcare news. Pharmacists join the party, primary care to bolster Pfizer rollout, Experts warn Delta could devastate Indigenous communities and faeces transplant to treat Parkinson's. This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. Sydney's ballooning COVID crisis has finally brought pharmacists on board as vaccinators. The expanded rollout will see the AZ jab being administered initially within Sydney hotspots, a model which Lieutenant John Fruin hopes to replicate across the country in coming months. Meanwhile, the Department of Health is reporting almost 2,000 primary care sites will transition across to Pfizer throughout August. According to the Commonwealth Vaccine Operations Centre, the promised phase-out of AZ is already well underway. Aboriginal health services may not have adequate workforce or supply of COVID vaccines. And while Australia's Pfizer supply has tripled to over a million doses landing each week, doctors warn remote communities could be devastated should vaccination numbers not ramp up. Wherever it happens, there's going to be a difficulty with increased spread because unfortunately we continue to have too many people living in crowded housing um, and also just a high number of people having severe disease um, because we have really high number of people with chronic conditions like diabetes, and kidney disease, and, and that's the people that are most worse affected through COVID-19. So, yeah, we just don't have the um, infrastructure in these remote places to deal with severe COVID-19. So we'd be seeing a lot of evacuations and a lot of people becoming unwell if it was to get in there. And in a collaboration between two Adelaide hospitals and biotech company BioMe Bank, faecal transplants are the latest treatment being trialled in people living with Parkinson's. The treatment helps manage their debilitating symptoms by replenishing their healthy gut bacteria. With constipation affecting 90% of people with Parkinson's, researchers indicated the microbiome within the gut may influence the response to existing therapies. So my high school didn't have a school nurse. It was a fairly standard issue 
stocked sick bay. There was maybe a damp bunk in the corner, a plastic orange chair, perhaps some basic first aid. It was certainly, there was certainly no nurse in sight. For me, the, the concept of school nurses was something I really only saw in American movies and on TV. But fast forward more than a, a decade later and then some, into 2021, school nursing represents an exciting specialty within Australia's primary healthcare sphere. So I was really, really excited to head back to school, back to the classroom, and meet up with Lisa Chalmers, a school nursing extraordinaire from Sydney, to discuss the role of a school nurse in Australia today. What's their scope? What are the opportunities? And what are the challenges in this space? I kick things off by trying to get an idea of what an average day looks like. What's it like to be a school nurse? For my own ignorance, because I just don't know, what is a school nurse in 2021? What what does the role of a school nurse look like? We work, we do acute and acute healthcare, basically. So we have a little clinic that we run almost like a GP clinic. Um, so we see the usual illness and injury throughout the day that, that happens. Um, so we've got two and a half thousand students at our school um, and close, I think we have about 600 staff, six to 700 staff on campus each day too. So it's it's huge. Sports wow. training start from 6.30 in the morning and go through till six o'clock at night. So we cover sort of that, we're, we're open seven till 6 p.m. So lots of, you know, dislocations and fractures and sort of managing that side of thing. We also look after chronic disease, so we um, support and manage the students with diabetes, epilepsy, um, obviously significant anaphylaxis these days in our student population, so all of those side, that side of thing. Um, a lot of students, particularly in the junior school, have medications throughout the day, so we dispense those medications and um, some senior school students as well, and also obviously the boarders, so looking after the boarders. If they're sick for the day, they come and spend the day with us in the clinic, um, like a little wow. hospital. Um, and then we do a lot of opportunistic and sort of preventative health care as well. So lots of, we use every opportunity that we can to educate and um, to prevent illness and, and teach. I mean, I think education for children and students should be about life education. So what, what you know, sexual health and sunscreen and eating well and moving your body each day and all of those things that as adults we when we get to adulthood, we should know that are good for us. So mm. we do a lot of a lot of that sort of thing. And as we see the students in that probably acute setting, we tend to pick out themes of things that are going on that then we can feed back. So we might feed back some stuff that we're seeing back to the PDHPE department, and they might look at that in their curriculum and think, oh, actually, we need to have a chat with the kids about that a bit more or... Um, in their connect groups with their heads of house, they can have a chat about some stuff that's going on. Um, wow. So, so I, it's it's huge. It's huge. It's like I could talk to you all day about it, Matthew. Yeah, <laughs> it's mass oh, massive. I, I guess I have a question. You talk about, obviously, as, as nurses broadly, education of patients, consumers, colleagues is, is a big part of nurses, regardless of what um, area or specialty you work in. But I'm curious from, uh, you know, in, in in 2021, as a school nurse, like, 
I went to high school not that long ago. Yeah. And when it came to, um, you know, sex ed, it was probably, you know, sexual health education, mm. it was, it was, um, the extent of it was, um, here's the basic biology and abstinence is the key. Yeah. And I'm curious, <laughs> which I look back on that don't now. Don't do it, think, don't do wow, it. Wow, like, you know, as a teenager, you poorly prepared. What does that look like now in 2021? Because I'm assuming that has shifted quite a lot in the last decade. Oh, look, totally. And, I mean, mm. the reality is that we, not, we know students are sexually active. We know yeah. that they're doing this stuff. So how do we keep them safe mm. and, how, and how do we make sure that they're, they're comfortable and all of the consent um, conversations that are happening as well, that they're making good choices for their bodies always. Um, we've, you know, we've got transgender students now at school. Like the, I think, um, I, I mean, we, you know, if a girl comes into the health centre and has got a UTI, we'll talk about, you know, how to prevent that happening and, you know, things like that that, um yeah, I know. I think we're very, I mean, we probably hear more things than we need to. And as the mother of three teenage boys, sure. sometimes there's things that I hear that I don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> frank, frank dialogue, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, but I'm but, really, I'm glad. Like, I hope that the students can feel that we're a safe place to come to, that they can tell us anything, that they will never feel judged or um you know, that there's any negativity at all, that we're totally there to support them and to to gu help guide them. Like, I think the other thing is these kids live their lives um, on social media, on online. The messaging they get from that is not healthy and it's not necessarily the truth. Um, gosh, I'd hate to be a teenager now. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I don't I want to think about it. I would I would hope that we are a um, like another adult in their life that really cares about them and that can offer them um, you know you don't you don't actually listen to your parents when you're a teenager either so that hopefully maybe they'll listen to us and that we can guide them and support them and give them education and information that they need to make good choices in their life. Yeah, for sure. If it's it's seen as more of an inclusive, safe space, because even if you yeah. don't listen to your parents, you you can often reflect on being a teenager or young adult and having those sort of, I guess, idols is not the right word. You yeah. know that people that people that you look Positive up to. Role models. Yeah, yeah, role models. Exactly. That and I I guess to that end, for people out there that um, are interested in school nursing as a career or want to be involved or 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 try their hand at school nursing, what would you yes. say to them? Like, how, how do you get involved, I guess? We're jacks of all trade. So um, many of us have come from a paediatric um, nursing background, but not always. It's It tends to be um, something that, you know, it's life experience plus broad nursing experience and an ability to be it's one of those jobs that you wake up in the morning and think, hmm, I wonder what will happen today. You just, no day is ever the same. It is unpredictable. So I think if you're interested, I would write a letter to your local school, to your local school nurse and say, I'd love to get on your casual nurse's pool mm. and give it a go. Um, I kind of want to just ask you finally, what um, this has affected all nurses and particularly um 
you know, those that listen to Nursing Australia, but APNA members broadly, how has COVID affected your role? And and has that been positive or has that been an, has it been negative? Well, you know, because most people, yeah. uh, I guess, associate COVID, you know, with a lot of negativity or, or whatever. Yes. Yes. But interestingly, you know, speaking to some nurses, um, they're albeit stressful and and you know plenty of burnout it's it's been positive because it's extended their scope as a clinician i guess so i'm just curious what what how's your experience what's your covid experience been like yeah i to- it, it totally has expanded my scope um yeah. i actually have a, a masters in public health so the whole epidemiology and the whole pandemic and um, is fascinating to me just and even from a sociological perspective watching the vaccination debate and how people have responded to a lot of the negative press that's been around about vaccination and how we how we shift that's been really interesting from my role perspective I I'm jealous of those people that are at home doing jigsaw puzzles because I've never been busier um it's (laughs) i think too i have been brought in as a key um helper within the executive team like the the school leadership has kind of said what do you think lisa what do you think about this can you so that's been really nice to be involved in some of those discussions and to be able to contribute in that way um i yeah, and I think interpreting and reviewing the public health orders, making sure that our school is compliant and that we're COVID safe and that we're doing all the the little bits and pieces that we need to do. But then more broadly, how are the staff going? Um, we've started, obviously, we're in lockdown at the moment in Sydney. So how are the staff going um, teaching from home? Like so many teachers are extroverts. They love that classroom interaction and they're really it's it's hard for them so we've been doing well-being checks for them just phoning them up and seeing if they're okay um a lot of education and advice on um covid and um vaccination so we're kind of doing lots of opportunistic education I guess too and also just generally how do we keep ourselves well our immune system strong and healthy our our mental health how is how do we as a person so lots of that side of things as well so yeah so it's totally broadened my role and scope um and it's it's been great I've really enjoyed it um but I would like to do a jigsaw puzzle one day (laughs) wouldn't we all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although to be fair, I I I am actually working on one at the moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, well, thank you so much. Um, no worries. I really appreciate it, Lisa. It was really nice to talk to you. Yeah, um, it was great thanks. to talk to you too. For more info, head to www.schoolnurses.com.au or simply Google school nursing in Australia. Nursing Australia, the podcast for Australian nurses working together towards a healthier Australia. If you are a practice nurse, Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander primary healthcare worker or a DVA contracted community nurse, APNA, in conjunction with the Department of Veterans Affairs, are offering free education to help deliver the best possible care to patients enrolled in the Coordinated Veterans Care Program, or CVC. If you do have patients enrolled in CVC, you can now access these fully funded education modules, specifically on chronic disease management and care planning. 
Now, nurses are the leaders of chronic disease management and primary care. By completing this education, you'll be able to coordinate an effective team approach and help support veterans with self-management and goals of care. To enroll in this program, head to www.apna.asn.au and click on the Your Profession tab to find out more. So APNA has been working really hard to provide nurses with face-to-face -face education once again. And the APNA Conference Roadshow is set to be the largest ever nursing event held by APNA as we visit every state and territory in person. But there has been a slight change to plans. And so I caught up with APNA CEO, Ken Griffin, for the latest update. So Ken, can you tell us what's happening? Yeah, thanks, Matt. So we've been working hard to bring the biggest nursing event in Australia to you this year. But just like everything else in 2021, not everything's going to plan, but just like every nurse out there who's had to adapt, so is APNA. So we were running the roadshow in two legs, one in September and one in November. So what we're going to do is push back the September event because what you told us was that there's too much going on in vaccine rollout and everything else in primary healthcare at the moment, but you still want to come. So we're going to put the September leg back into the start of 2022, but we're keeping the November leg until we hear otherwise. So what you need to do if you're in the September leg of the roadshow, and so they're the events in Canberra, Melbourne, Perth and Hobart, you don't need to do anything. But if you can't make the new events, let us know and we'll sort things out. The November leg still goes ahead and we can't wait to see you on that. And then everyone from the first leg in early 2022. So Ken, tell me about what are the events going to be like? So the event is going to be the biggest nursing event in Australia. And why is it going to be the biggest one? Because we know you guys want to get together because the best work primary healthcare nurses do is behind a closed door by yourselves. We want to get as many of you together as possible so you can share your stories, release all that pent up tension that's sort of been accumulating over 18 months of a pandemic, share your success stories, share your low points and support each other and get re-energised so that you can actually get back to your communities and keep them healthy. You need to get involved in, the, in this event because we know you need to be among more nurses than ever before after the last 18 months. So jump on our website, sign up for the event that's closest to you. We're bringing the conference to you so that you don't have to come to it this year, given all the considerations around COVID. We can't wait to see you there. Jump on the website and book your place. So be sure to have a look in the show notes where you can link to the APNA Conference Roadshow page to find out all the details. This podcast is brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association, and is only made possible by our members. Join today. Google APNA membership. APNA's Nurse Support Line provides primary healthcare nurses with access to timely, relevant and accurate advice, resources and referrals. If you need support, please call 1300 303 184. As healthcare professionals, it's always handy to keep across current IPC or infection prevention and control guidelines and practices. And an exciting pilot initiative has just launched in Victoria. So I caught up with Sarah and Lisa, the nursing masterminds who are manning this brand new infection control hotline. So Sarah, could you explain to us what the Victorian Infection Prevention Helpline is? Sure. So the Victorian Infection Prevention Helpline is a free service that's supporting primary health care, predominantly including in that uh, general practices, community pharmacies and Aboriginal community controlled health organisations, but certainly 
all the staff that work within those organisations, we want to be able to support. And so it's designed to be able to provide information and support around everything to do with infection prevention and control. It is um, a service that's been established by Murray PHN on behalf of the six Victorian primary health networks with funding from the Victorian Department of Health. So who can access the hotline? Is it is it is it just nurses or who, who is it aimed at? No, not at all. So the intent is that anyone that works within those services can access it. So you know, if you have a question on cleaning, um, if your cleaners would like to give us a call for us to be able to support them to ensure that they're meeting the best practice guidelines, then they are more than welcome um, to make a, a call. It might be, you know, the GPs, it might be the nurses, they might have a question in regards to um, uh, something to do with a patient even, and they are able to access that. So we go from, you know, the broader um, topics uh, around infection prevention and control all the way down to, you know, specific situations that people might have in front of them that they need some support with. The line is supported by three subject matter experts and then our three subject matter experts support us if we have those really tricky questions where they need to be escalated up. So so would it be fair to say that uh, the the hotline has come on the back of COVID? Is that the co sort of the momentum has come to get this project off the ground from COVID? Yeah, so I think what's happened is that um, we would probably all argue that there's been the need for such a service for some time. The intent is not that it's totally focused on COVID. So, you know, you could have a, a generalised question around sterilisation, around, you know, the processing or um, of your instruments or how you've got your practice set up or your organisation set up. Um, but I think as a result of COVID, it's become very obvious that um, some organisations have struggled to yeah. actually ensure that, or to know where to go to make sure that all them, the, their processes are best practice and supported by the latest evidence. Say, for example, I'm, I'm working in general practice and I'm not quite sure about um, how we're sterilising um, instruments and I pick up the phone. Could you explain that process to us? Sure. So when you contact the service, whether it be via phone um, or on our website or on our web page, we have um, an inquire now button, which will open up a web form that you can fill in. So you're not always in a position whereby, you know, I can pick up the phone right now. I'm in a, a busy clinic or a busy pharmacy. So uh, feel free to jump onto that form and just do the inquire now. What will happen is a registered nurse will answer your call and review your online contact form, or they might ask you some basic details about yourself and the reason for your inquiry. So if that's obviously if you've picked up the phone. Uh, we'll then ask for further information to explore your question and provide you with the relevant information. And we always try to provide you with some, particularly if it's an urgent inquiry, something that you can do straight away, some advice to work on that. Uh, at the end of the call, we will uh, let you know of the next steps required. So if it is something that we need to escalate to our subject matter experts, we'll let you know that. And we'll also let you know 
you know, roughly how long we think it's going to take for us to action uh, your inquiry. Uh, we always try to be back in touch with an outcome or an, or an answer within 24 to 48 hours at the absolute maximum. And then once it's resolved, we'll ask you to provide us with some feedback. So in order for us to uh, ensure that we're providing a service that's fit for purpose and, and meets the needs of the, the primary health care community, we'll ask for that. So for those of us out there that are out of outside of Victoria, A, is there potential for a, a Commonwealth rollout in Australia? B, what would be deemed, I guess, the, the gold standard for infection control guidelines at the moment? Sure. So I guess there's a couple of things there. Uh, obviously, as APNA, we would love to see the service expand to be a national service. But I guess in the meantime, for those that are outside of uh, Victoria, APNA does have our nurse support line. And certainly we work very closely with the, you know, the team across APNA. Lisa, to you, what what areas uh, do you think nurses are most curious about when it comes to IPC broadly? I think the main question that we have been getting is around cleaning. Um, obviously, people are really con- conscious of um, COVID in the workplace. Um, obviously, we all know that it passes from person to person through direct contact, but also mm-hmm. those respiratory droplets, um, you know, and then cleaning those high traffic work surfaces. Um, so things like uh, what products to be using, how often to use them, but obviously not using spray bottles because that can then um, force the spray into the, the air again. Um, so it's just getting them to risk assess their workplace uh, look who's doing the cleaning, uh, what cleaning is being done, how they should be cleaning it. Obviously, cleaning with the cleanest surface first and going towards dirtiest, um, wearing PPE while they're cleaning with their gloves and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, another question that we had through, obviously, with similar to that is obviously wearing PPE and their scrubs. How clean are their scrubs? Um, are they going home? Um, and changing out of their scrubs beforehand. And within general practice, and I, I know that this has come up particularly through through COVID, but um, in manage uh, managing spirometry and and how is that how does that play out at the moment, or what sort of advice do you have um, for people working in the general practice space when it comes to um, the correct infection control measures for spirometry? Okay, well with spirometry, that's obviously ever changing because if we're here in a lockdown, we recommend uh, practices cease um, any respiratory testing Absolutely, unless they, sure. that they refer them on to a respiratory specialist for things like that. Yeah. Um, all things like um, like your spirometry testing, you just need to follow the guidelines really. Um, using the proper equipment so that you've got the the filter and everything that you're in a um, adequately um, sort of ventilated area. So looking at the air exchanges, which are a minimum of six to eight per hour. So if people don't know what that is, either the practice manager should know or the buildings manager should know. They need to be in a you know room with doors and windows and within that 1.5 meter distance of that patient so that they, you know, teach the patient's cough etiquette because obviously, you know, using things like spirometry and spaces does cause them to cough. And again, it's, it's, it's changing if, you know, going to lockdown, stop. And for more information on the helpline, check out www.infectionpreventionhelpline.com.au. And just remember, if you are from outside Victoria, you can still access IPC advice by contacting the APNA nurse support line directly. You will find links to both in the show notes. Nursing Australia. 
the podcast for Australian nurses working together towards a healthier Australia. 45% of nurses reported feeling regularly or sometimes isolated, alone or lacking support from other nurses in our 2019 workforce survey. So we've been cooking up your newest member benefit, the APNA Online Community. A space for members to seek support, advance their knowledge and share their own knowledge. The online community is not only a forum, but also a member directory, a news hub, an events calendar and a video library all in one spot. Head to www.apna.asn.au to log in and start using your new member benefit today. If you are listening to Nursing Australia right now on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button and on Spotify, click to follow. Coming up in the next episode of Nursing Australia, it's Women's Health Week 2021. And Nursing Australia discovers a new online program which promises to enhance nursing practice for autism. Don't forget, you can catch more APNA content on our YouTube channel. It's APNA Nurses on YouTube. I'm Matt St. Ledger. Thank you so much for joining us on Nursing Australia. I'll catch you next time. For more information, please visit us at www.apna.asn.au. Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia.